You sound good. Sound good? Yeah, if you're checking your sound, you sound good. Oh. I thought you were complimenting me. Well, yeah, you sound good. Ooh, Greg, you sound good. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even... I don't even know. Oh, my goodness. Greg, I found musicindustryhowto.com. So we've been having conversations about our uh, our love for Spotify. This site shows you how shit you can get paid as an artist on Spotify? No, but it compares different ways of making money from music being played. Okay. Okay, so... And you are probably familiar with all the different ways. Becoming a real estate agent? (laughs) That's one of the ways, according to Frank Zappa. Where's Frank Zappa? Where? Yeah. Okay. Point point made. Okay. No. (laughs) Seriously, though. Seriously, Greg. Hold on. Number one, mechanical royalties rates for songwriters. Right, that's apparently one of the few primary revenue streams for songwriters. For songwriters, right? So, it's played. You get paid. So, let's let's take a look into that. So, selling a CD, right? CD, an album, a cassette, whatever, um, is one way. Streaming is an is another way. Right? These are what's called uh, mechanical. So, there's physical mechanical. So that's CD, vinyl, cassette. So, well, a lot of these are, are sometimes U.S. numbers, but let's use that as sort of the standard. So physical mechanical, mechanical royalties are paid out differently in different countries. In the U.S., they come out to, in dollar figures, $0.09 per reproduction of a song. So nine cents every time a song is reproduced or sold. So if one song on one album, nine cents. Okay. Mm-hmm. What does this equate to? So they gave an example. There's a song. You might know this because you're younger than me. Pumped up kicks. Huge hit for foster the people. You're dancing. So you know the song. This is good. Me, me dancing and not doing a single thing is great for an audio podcast. <laughs> I know. <laughs> the track sold 3.8 million copies and the album sold 671,000 copies. The frontman for the band, Nate Foster, has the sole writing credit on this particular song, Pumped Up Kicks. So he collects every penny of these mechanical royalties, which turns out to be $407,000. That's just the mecha- what they call the mechanicals. It also got radio play, so it makes money off of radio. It was on TV shows like Entourage, Gossip Ghouls, Vampire, Gossip Girl, Vampire Diaries. <laughs> so he, gets, he makes money that way. Then there's digital. Digital, iTunes, Amazon, Google, Xbox. Uh, they pay out the same. So when you buy a song, they pay out the same nine cents per song to the, 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 the song writer. Okay. That's called digital download mechanical royalties. Then there is streaming mechanical Spotify, Apple music, title, Pandora, etc. cetera. Uh, generally comes out to 0.005 per stream. I was going to say six. I can think that's what I use my numbers off of, but go ahead. So this person whose name is, the, the author of this article is Liam Duncan. So according to Liam Duncan, Liam Duncan has a song on Spotify with over 250,000 streams equals $1,250 in royalties. Okay. There's also public performances. You can make money. So if I sing a song that you wrote, you actually should be making money from that performance 
and my understanding is organizations like SOCAN um, are the ones that are in charge of doing that. These are performance rights organizations. SOCAN collects the money when the songs are played in a bar. Okay. Then there's radio play. So terrestrial radio play. Actually, you know what? Actually, sorry, before you go there. Yeah. So like we were talking about Zappa. Yes. So, and we were talking about Dweezil was willing to pay those rights, not so can in the U.S., but basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So yes, in that case, a live performance of a cover of a cover song, there would be royalties. Terrestrial radio play. Um, Royalty rates vary. It's usually about five bucks a spin. So every time a song is played, five bucks a spin. Satellite radio. Five bucks a spin? Yeah, royalty rates vary, but it is usually up to, sorry, up to $5 per... Per play on the radio? Per per spin. Satellite radio. Now, when was this written? This was written a year ago. Literally a year ago yesterday. Okay, so... Carry on. Satellite radio... Up to $35 per spin. You're wondering why a lot of these classic bands have their own uh, satellite station. 35 bucks a spin, pretty good. Okay. Government radio, BBC, CBC, NPR. Listen to this. Just so you know, SoCan says it's $1.35. For what? Per play. On the radio? radio. All right. Well, listen to this. BBC Radio 1 can pay up to 58 bucks a spin. BBC Radio 2, $79 a spin. But there are regional BBC stations that pay about five bucks a spin. CBC is similar, coming in around $35 to $40 per national spin and around half for local spins. Independent radio... Uh, they're saying they're less so, uh, so they're lower. Toronto's premier indie station is Indie 88 in Toronto. They negotiated the royalty rights directly with SoCan. SoCan lowered their rates to a buck 35 per spin. Didn't I just say that? Yes, but I think you said that for overall. This was, this is Indie apparently. College radio, obviously, they negotiate differently. Live performances. In Canada, you can earn an extra 80 to 120 bucks per show based on where you're playing. What does this mean? Or I guess if it's a song. So if someone plays a song, you can make upwards depending on where you're playing and what the set list looks like. It's interesting. Then you get licensing earnings. This all leads to the news recently coming out of the U.S. where both Bob Dylan and, oh, what's her name? Stevie Nicks. Stevie Nicks, thank you. Stevie Nicks. So Stevie Nicks sold her catalog, I think a portion, right, for $100 million. Um, and Bob Dylan sold his entire catalog for what is believed to be over $300 million. And I don't know if you saw, but um, David Crosby is crying poor um, and is looking to sell his catalog. This is his quote. It's my only option. Streaming stole my record money. Yeah, so it's interesting. I think I don't, I don't begrudge Bob Dylan for, for selling his, uh, his catalog. I mean, $300 million. I mean, you're, you're set for the rest of your life. And I don't know his family situation, but his family set, you know, generations yeah. are set. Make, make, make money now. Make, you know, get, get money from your catalog now before you die and your kids sell it off. And, you know, whether it's, whether it's planning your estate so that you are in full control of if and when your rights can be sold and yeah. or getting rid of it now and writing the rules of 
I'm not writing the rules, but trying to dictate the sure. rules as much as possible so that your kids don't sell it and their songs end up on a skill set. Yeah, or lawyers make all the money from lawsuits. Yeah. Right? Like what we see with the Zappa family, I'm sure. Absolutely. That is the pre-show. Thank you for joining us. Hi, the following podcast is brought to you by Radical Road Brewery, the best craft beer in the heart of Leslieville. Find them at 1177 Queen Street East. That's Radical Road Brewery. My name is Angel Barabo. I'm from the Eastern James Bay Creek community of Mistissini. I am um, Ioino. I am non-binary queer folk, and I'm here. Uh, let's make music. Or no, this is the music. This is the stuff. Welcome, welcome I already music. messed it up. Welcome oh. to the music. Perfect. Yes. Perfect. Welcome. <laughs> welcome. <laughs> We're going. We're going with that. <laughs> Thanks so oh, much. I, for... I apologize. <laughs> so are are you are you um, are where are you right now? Are you in Montreal? Are you in Mysticity? So I'm I'm currently uh, living in Montreal. Okay. Uh, doing the artist lifestyle and working for a not for profit. It's pretty great. Wow. So that's like like a double banger. Right Disney. there, Mu- music Disney. lifestyle, yeah. So, <laughs> so tell me, how are how are things in Montreal? Paint a paint a picture for us, if you could. Um, I don't leave my house <laughs> or my apartment. I mean, I don't leave my apartment unless I walk my dog. Um, I'm afraid of the outside world sometimes because people don't know how to social distance, which sucks. Because Montreal is a hotspot. <laughs> mm-hmm. Unfortunately, uh, yeah. So. That's fun. And if, if I go home, actually, I have to quarantine for two weeks, which is like, I think is the minimum that I can do, you know, for, for like my community safeties. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But other than and, that, like, it, it's, it, it, if it wasn't COVID, you would, you would think that Montrealers think that it's like just every day, you know, regular every day. Let me go to the park. <laughs> Let me like really? get on this crowded subway. I mean, Metro car. Yeah. It's scary. It's wow. scary. Yeah. Have you been back home over the past <clears throat> eight, nine months? Sadly, no. Uh, I'm 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 planning on going back home uh, come come f- the end of February, which I'm really looking forward to. And um, I'm really like, oh, God, I can't I can't even like verbalize how much I want to go home. Like I miss yeah. USG. Yeah. I I I come from a place where um, you know it's like you you leave your house, you leave your community, and all you see is like conifer trees, <laughs> uh, coniferous trees. I mean, sorry, not conifer trees coniferous like green like dark green and it's just like as far as your eye can see and mm-hmm. here like I live in the city and like what I can see is like gray asphalt and like sky- the skyline which is nice you know that I'm, I'm not bashing that I just like I know where my soul belongs <laughs> and yeah. I miss it how does how does being in Montreal I mean I guess we'll, we'll probably get into sort of what, how you're feeling and any songwriting in that right now but like is it, is it impacting you and your music right now, just sort of being in that concrete jungle versus up north? Um, you know, there's, there's like, there's a huge difference to like the access of services. Mm. And then like, that's just general, like I come from a reserve of like four or 5,000 people. And like, that's like one of the bigger reserves that I'm from. Um, and, and they're like, we have like, like we have, we have problems accessing services because not because that they're not like, it's not because we can't access them. It's because like, like the, the periods in time on which we can are usually really limited and for a limited few. Whereas like when you live in the city, right? Like you can like, if, if you, if you can pay for it, you can probably just like, you can just like, you can just like go to the dentist and get something like done right there in that spot. Whereas yeah. like I would like somebody, or even like, like, for example, my friend, she's, she has a, she's a fractured jaw but because there's no orthodontist in, uh, in Miss Tisney, she can't actually like, do anything about it. Um, so it's like, it really is like a difference in access. So like here, like there are plenty of access, like, accessible services that I, I feel really privileged to living mm. in the city. Cause yeah. like, like I said, like coming from a reserve, like there's no, there's first off, there's nothing for you to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, there's just, you know, lack of services. Yeah. I can imagine. Um, mm. 
is how how is the how is the water situation so back home uh, actually <laughs> actually so um my my nation is part of a a agreement signed with the the Quebec the government of Quebec called the J, uh, James Bay North Northern Quebec um agreement and essentially it like it means that like the government can come into our territory and like uh, have like hydro dams and stuff and like the like the initial like agreement was like they gave us monies and my government recently re-signed uh, a deal with with the with the government of Quebec to like basically have like the same thing but like uh, point like point point oh I guess okay like yeah. um so for us we actually have really clean water oh, but that's good that's like that's where like we're privileged in that it shouldn't even be a privilege right like, it shouldn't be a no, privilege yeah. to have accessible clean water but for our nations, like we have like some of the cleanest water in the world because like Co- Northern Quebec is like, it's, it's, it's not, it's, I'm not going to call it an oasis, but it's, it's fresh water. It's, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's like the, the land is meant to purify the water essentially. So like, thankfully where I'm from, we have accessible cleaning, clean and drinking, uh, clean drinking water. But I know that like even some Southern, like Southern reserves from my nation don't have access to clean, drink, clean drinking water. Wow. Yeah. Well, That's yeah. Like, Oh yeah, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's interesting you say it shouldn't be a privilege. No, it's it shouldn't all. be, right? Yeah. Like water is life. It's literally life in the sense that if you don't drink water within a couple of days, you're gonna die. Yeah. Yeah. Right? No, oh, but, no, that's that's absolutely true. Totally. Let's talk about music, Angel. If you if yes, you, sorry, super sidetracked. No, no, no. This we, we talk we talk about everything here. So every because everything's is, is sort of related, right? You know, we've talked to artists that have been impacted by by you know COVID, obviously, um, and the stuff that they are currently working on is a reflection of that. Um, we had a chance uh, to speak with I'm so bad with names, so I apologize. But the lead singer for Midnight Shine, Adrian, Adrian Sutherland. We had a chance to speak with him. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, with him or or his music. No, but I know uh, a lot of NGs are called uh, Sutherland's their last names. Yeah, he's uh, at Awapiskat, Ontario. Ah, Awapiskat. Yeah, that's yeah, that's like one of the places where they're really hard hit. Yeah, and you know he talks about it's you know his music is reflected about you know his environment that he's in, you know, in terms of accessing water and the promises that the federal government would make and so on. So so it's all mm-hmm. it's all related, Angel. Um, is sort of totally. the way the way I see it. Um, when did music come into your life? Like, how did you discover this, this talent? Um, well, those are two different, like, those are two different answers. Okay, sure. <clears throat> so the first answer is, like, where did, like, music come into my life? Um, it started with, I think I remember, like, I, I actually, like, and, and there are some memories that I'm accessing, like, as of recently, but I remember being in daycare and having the woman, like one of the ladies that were like taking care of us um, in our room, I guess like the worker, she, I remember her coming into the room and like putting us to sleep. And then she sang a chant um, in Cree. And it, not a chant, it's like, it's a lullaby that you sing to babies to put them to sleep. And I remember like, I remember her like hearing her sing it. And just like, and I didn't even realize that it was a chant. Like for us, like we were like pretty hard hit with like colonization where like we don't like, we speak our language, but a lot of cultural, like uh, especially, especially like spiritual cultural practices have kind of disappeared because of like, you know, there was a period of time where Canada made it like basically illegal to be an, like an, an indigenous person, right? Or like, practice mm-hmm. indigenous things. Um, and so what happened was a lot of that knowledge, like a, a lot of that was lost, but I didn't realize that that lullaby was like, it was still like, it's, it's, it's still alive. You know, like, even if it's, it's only a couple of like syllables, it's still alive. Um, yeah. So it's, it started with that. And like, it really was fed by my dad's love of music uh, in our like car rides. And then my grandmother, my grandmother, she like, she, um, she was schizophrenic and she took care of me a lot. And she like, she like to soothe herself, she would play music. Okay. And she, like, right. So she would play music, except she was hard of hearing. So when she would play sometimes, <laughs> she couldn't hear that she was out of tune and she would like, she would like go at it. You know, she like, she was like slamming because she like, she couldn't hear it. So she wanted to hear it. So she would like literally slam the guitar um, strings. But yeah, so like my love of music, it really is like part of my, like there's so many people in my family that like, just like music is so integral to who we are. But 
because because like for us we weren't raised with the belief that like you can be a professional artist or you can pursue a life in music mm-hmm. and and still survive off of that or like make it your goal in life you know like my, my dad for example um my dad uh, who I like I unfortunately don't speak to anymore he he is a poet and he like when um when he was growing up he was actually a really good like talented visual artist and he could like he could um he could like take a picture in his brain and then like recreate it with with a piece of pencil wow. um yeah like I remember seeing like my mom's like a picture of my mom and I thought it was a picture it was it was a, like it was in a letter that my dad had wrote but it wasn't a picture it was something he drew of her wow uh, right and but the thing was like for my dad and 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 my my siblings as well like some of my siblings are artists and uh a lot of that was like it, it wasn't like it wasn't nurtured it wasn't fostered they didn't like nobody ever told them that like they could pursue their dreams that way, you know? Was that um, like in the community or, or was that? I, I think it was more like, cause me, Oh, that's probably something I should, I should probably talk about me. I'm mixed yeah. race. So my okay. father, my father is a uh, half Cree and he's half uh, French Quebecois, but even on his Quebecois side, there's a Tikamek and there's, I think there's like Italian and there's like a bunch of different, there's like white in my Brown and there's Brown in my white essentially. <laughs> um, and so like even on my mom's side my mom she like under the eyes of the law she's considered a full status indian which is the legal term by the way yeah so she's a full status full status native and uh but the thing is even on her i think her great grandmother or something like that i'm not sure because i like my history is kind of stolen as well right mm. so some somewhere up on her side there's also a scottish settler from, okay. when, the Scot- from when the scotch were coming over yeah and so so anyway, um, a lot of that was like, you know, I like grew up in a home where like my dad went to residential schools. My mother, my mother mm-hmm. went, uh, my mother didn't go to residential schools. She luckily was raised in the bush, but, but her mom went to residential schools and all her, all my grandmothers and her siblings went to, to, to residential schools. And there was even a, and like, this is like this, I can't confirm because I wasn't alive, but f- from the stories that I was told that there was even a, there was even like a child in that family that was stolen by an Indian agent. Wow. Um, yeah. And so like for like me, like there's like there's there's so many layers to my existence and mm. any indigenous person's existence, right? And so for me, like my art like really speaks to that. And so when I talk about like, yeah, we didn't like talk about being an artist as a job in my family, it's because like that kind of like creativity, that kind of like non-conformative nine to five way of thinking wasn't fostered, right? Wasn't yeah. like nurtured. Um, so like, for example, when I told my dad, like the job that I have now, it's, it's kind of a nine for jo- nine, nine to five job. It's like a, it's an, it's for a non-for-profit, but it like, it's, and because it's a not-for-profit, he doesn't understand. He's like, well, what about like, what about the money aspect? You know, well, like, it's like, yes, I get paid, but he, not to the degree that he would like, you know? Sure. Absolutely. <laughs> right. Mm. Um, so like those, those things I, I, I feel like for my dad, he internalized for himself, you know, he's like, he's like, I can't be an artist because it doesn't put food on the table. Mm. you know um or that's what he believed it anyway and I, I, I wouldn't know because i'm putting uh, i'm putting food on my table <laughs> yeah. you know um so yeah like art is, like art has always been in my life it just like it, it was it was like subtle it was always really subtle yeah so can you talk about when you started getting involved with the group then that uh, sort of brought out yes singing? second question second yeah. question yes um yeah. so my manager one of my managers i guess former manager I don't know, he's I think he's always gonna be a manager but anyway <laughs> um David Hodges my dear dear friend slash brother slash confidant slash like dadager um dadager yeah <laughs> that's what me and my family call him but anyway yeah, that's a good um name. right yeah. so he he before he was ever any of that to me he was uh he was doing workshops in because he's he's also a rapper and uh he was also I think he was like I don't know if he was a teacher 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 but he was like he was working in education he's an educator yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um so he was like he was doing like these like programming uh he was doing like this arts programming that he like ran by himself and with some like school boards and my government um not my government sorry someone from my Cree nation youth council approached him to come through my territory and uh essentially do like um I think it was supposed to be something like, oh, I'm going to tell you about my life as a, as a musician and my journey and how like being a musician is val- like a valid way of life. Um, 
And so when he decided to come up north to do the tour of my of my territory to like give this like I guess speeches I don't know how to categorize this anyway. Um, he came in. He brought his mobile production studio, like something you can like carry with you and still make music because he's an, like he's a, he's an artist through and through as, uh, himself as well, and he produces and and makes beats and all that. And so what happened was he went to the first community and he didn't like like there was nobody there because um, like we have tournaments when we have nothing else going on, we have tournaments. And when there's a tournament, you go to another community to like take part in the tournament or even just to watch it. So when he came through the territory and he got to the first community, there was like nobody there for him to like actually talk to. Uh, and like the, he was supposed to speak at the school, but the school was closed because there was literally no one there. Um, and so like he went through the couple communities in my, in my, in my nation. And when he came to my community, by that point, like he had made, uh, instead of just speaking to the, the youth, he decided he was going to make songs. He's he, like, he was going to, yeah, exactly. Yeah. He was still going to speak to them. Of course. He just like, he was yeah. going to add that element as well. So what happened was he came to my community and my roommate, my now roommate, she used to be, um, sorry, they used to be, they used to be part of, uh, they used to be part of like a, uh, like, I guess like a youth animated programming, like, she did stuff with us essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she, like, she became my friend, uh, they became my friend then. And what happened was um, they came to me and they were like, Hey, like this person, this person is, is, is in the, is in the Agora. And they're like, and he's, uh, he's like running a, a, a music workshop. You should really go. Cause at that point she knew, uh, they knew, damn it, Angel, they knew that I, um, I was a singer, but I, I didn't identify. I didn't, I didn't say that I was a singer. I just, I kind of like would sing every once in a while and people would hear me sometimes and be like, ah, <laughs> you make, you make the noise with your mouth. Yes. Um, and so they, they told me like, oh, you should go. And I kind of, I was like, nah, I'm like, no, I'm afraid. Uh, and they basically asked me, let me hold your hand. And I won't uh-huh. let you, like, I won't let you leave. Like, I'll sit in there with you. So she, she, uh, they dragged me in. <laughs> they dragged me in essentially. And we sat in the back because I didn't want to be seen. And at that point they were like already, like they'd already started writing the song. They had already selected a beat. Um, and me, yeah, I've always like written poems and, 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 and so I guess it was like a natural, a natural transformation to go from poems to songs. But what happened was, um, I was inspired in that, in, in that session. And so I started writing and I, I wrote lyrics to the song that they would end up making, um, that we would end up making. And so what happened was uh, he like, he saw me write. And I think maybe my roommate did something like you like flagged him down to like pay attention to me or something. I don't know. I can't confirm, <laughs> um, but he like called me up. And so I nervously walked up. And at that point, my roommate, um, my now roommate, like uh, my now roommate said, I guess not said, but like realized that I wasn't going to run out. So at that point they could let go of my hand. Um, so I, I walk up to the front and David looks at me and I hand him, um, I hand him my lyrics so he can see them. And so he's like, Oh, you're a songwriter. I'm like, mm-hmm. and then he goes, but you're a singer too. Eh? But he doesn't say like a question. He says like a statement. And I was just like, I guess. Yes. Sure. um and so in that session that was the first time I sang in a recording and I heard myself and I even say it in the interview that he like he did an interview with me um, when when it was happening but I even say it in in the interview that I'd never heard myself up up until that point right um and so when I did hear myself I realized I was like oh yeah you sing (laughs) so Um, when you, what were the first songs you sing? I'm, I'm assuming you were singing, uh, singing other people's songs, but were uh, you singing Western songs? Were you singing more traditional Cree um, songs? Or I never like I didn't start singing. Honestly, like okay, here's the thing. All right, it's like when when the government comes and takes away your identity and then expects you to just exist and then like kind of like leaves you to like fuck off by yourself you don't really know what where you're at right so I grew up like even though I grew up in a reserve surrounded by Cree people and I could speak Cree Cree was actually my first language when I was born but what happened was like there was a disconnect between your indigeneity and your your wants slash like pressure to be to be 
to conform to that that vision of like no like you have to be a Canadian citizen you have to like you have to speak English you have to read English you have to speak French you have to read French you have to do all mm. these things you have to exist in our institutions even though like we force these things on you mm. um, and that like as a lot of Indigenous people know you internalize it and you don't like practice your culture or you don't even really know like what is my culture sometimes sure um, so like traditional music didn't come into my life until later on when I like when I made the choice okay. to like rediscover that so it was it was western western music um but it was a lot of like and, I, and i'm actually in a journey of like decolonizing my own uh my own view of music right so because i grew mm. up with my dad's music and his his music was a lot of like famous white men which is fine you can be a famous white man and make good music but i just like i recognized i was like oh it's like basically just famous white men that i listened mm. to or that i was like i idolized um so right now I'm in this period of like rediscovering like not only my people's music, uh, uh, not only like Cree people's music, like not, not like traditional, not necessarily traditional, but like music that was made by Cree folk. Yeah. Um, but I'm also rediscovering or not just rediscovering, but I'm discovering a lot of indigenous talent from, from like, especially in Canada. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause I'm like, why not? Like, this is like, quote unquote, my country, mm-hmm. <laughs> quote unquote, my country. Um, and like, there's plenty of other natives out here that can like, that are fucking phenomenal music creators. Uh, and, 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 you know, like I, like, I, so that's where I'm at right now, essentially is like in the process of like recognizing, like, Oh, I was singing a lot of like, I was singing like Bob Seger. I was singing um, uh, a Creedence Clearwater, which are like classic. They're great. They're fun. Like Chris Christopherson is still one of my favorite uh, song, like songwriters of all time. But I'm in this process of like, it's not just going to be their, their music. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. amazing. That is really, really good. Do you remember that those first lyrics that you wrote in that session? Mm-hmm. Because essentially what happened, right, was it was a group writing session. So, like, I wrote lyrics yeah. and other people wrote lyrics. And then they took bits of what they liked and then they melded them together. And then we sang. Oh. Uh, yeah. So, I know that, like, the, the line, it's the song, the title of the song is called Never Let Me Go. I came up with that. It, obviously, like, I didn't come up with the, fuck, the fucking phrase Never Let Me Go. But that was, like, that was the, the, yeah. the general theme, I guess, of the song. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that is nice. So, I was going to ask you about. So I've, I've listened to Wish We Were Older. Um, I listened to the, um, I, wa- I heard the song from the video. So it's the, there's a guitar player. The, yeah, the acoustic version. Yeah, the acoustic version, which is amazing. It's a lovely song. Uh, and then um, Love Is Up The River as well. as I, I, I listened to that song as well. Do you write, have, do you only write in English, have you written in Cree? Tell me um, about so that. I'm actually. Thank you for asking me this question. <laughs> I, this is a good question. Um, so right now, see, here's the thing. Okay, <clears throat> I only know how to write in English. Mm. I can speak Cree. My Cree, like sadly, like I said before, my my uh, Cree was my first language when I was born. Um, but like like I said, you know, like you're told to like conform to this world and fit yeah. to it. So my yeah. first language be- went from Cree to be to being English, and so now like. I would consider like English, uh, Cree and French kind of like on par in my capabilities as languages. Um, but anyway, I can like, I can't write in French. I can kind of read French. I can't read or write in Cree. So when I do write a song in Cree, I have to write it in English phonetics. Okay. Mm. Which is annoying as fuck. It's so <laughs> annoying because in Cree, we have so many little sounds and I'm not a master at those little sounds. Like those little sounds are always the ones that like, like mess me up because like, they're like sneaky, like they're sneaky little bastards. I don't know what else to say to it. <laughs> like, I it's it. These are languages that are so fucking old. You know that they're, they're like they're, they're 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 they've been they've been around for so long. And and of course, there's going to be like parts like French, for example, is old as well. And and like even that, I like I can't even I still can't conjugate my verbs. God damn it! Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know. And so it's hard for me to write in Cree. So essentially, okay. what what ends up happening is if I do want to write something or create Cree lyrics I have to like record myself singing singing it in Cree and then like put it somewhere to live in my brain yeah and then come back to it later to like try to write it out phonetically but the, like like I said like writing out those little sounds like absolutely like bugs the bejesus out of me hmm. nicest term 
so one of the things that I learned in school was that most indigenous language, like the culture is, hey, hey, is wait, like, I'm going to, I'm going to stop you right there. Yes, there is please no, do. there is no indigenous culture. Correct. Are, yeah. So my, my wording is incorrect, cultures. but yes, go ahead. Go ahead. Continue. The uh, tradition. I, let's Hold on. You call him out. This is where you really mean on. Seriously. He starts dropping stuff like that. It's like, Oh, you blew it. <laughs> This is where you go. Okay, thanks, guys. I really enjoyed actually, the talk. I gotta go. It's, it's even like it's even like it's it's nice because like it's good practice for me because like, you know like when you grow up in yeah. like Canada being an indigenous or being in any minority, right? Like even being queer and having like to correct people for me is hard. Yep. Like my no, pronoun like is right. So, like, feel feel free to correct me. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, go yeah. ahead. Continue. Continue. Uh, I'll, I'll step back then. Go ahead. <laughs> Your question was: <laughs> There's an oral tradition. Mm-hmm in indigenous cultures, cultures, mm-hmm. right? But it versus the West where it's, there's the culture of writing things down. Is that, is that true? And has that impacted a little bit, whether you sort of sing and record in English versus your other languages? Is, is, does that make a difference? I mean, it's impacted where like I have a colonial, like I have a colonial kind of lens toward how I write, right? Because I have mm. to speak in, uh-huh. I don't have to speak in English, but I, I choose to speak in English because this is what I'm most comfortable speaking in. Um, I would say that like, okay, first, first thing I want to note is I believe that there are some indigenous cultures that actually have written word. Because mm. I, I think it's a, I think it's a, I can't like, you can't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure, sure it's a myth. Um, but because, uh, like, for example, like, there, there are Crees, there are Crees from the, the like, the center-ish of Canada, more, more west than I am, that have, uh, like, like, fuck, like, they were, like, stargazers, they were, they were mapping stars, hmm. so that, that's, like, that's not, that's not unique to, to, like, a, to hmm. the, to the, what is it? I'm really, for a native, I have, like, no, like, directional <laughs> coordination. Where the white people came from is not just them. Yeah. <laughs> It wasn't just them, essentially. Oh, man, I'm butchering this. Anyway, anyway. Um, so, so yeah, no, like, I think it helps when I, like, it helps, it helps to, like, when you think in Cree and when you think in French and when you think in English, mm. like, there's different thought processes, thought processes, and there's, like, code switching that happens, right? So, my code switching is, like, in Cree is, like, there's just like, like anything, like if you speak something in one language, it, it might not directly translate in a different language. Yeah. Especially in Cree, like for, for, for in English, right. You have so many, like, you have so many like feelings and words for feelings, but in Cree, a lot of words are conceptual. So that you, when you say, oh. a f- sometimes when you say a feeling in Cree, there's no way to translate it in English because it's like, well, I, like I've never even heard of that feeling in English. So how am I supposed to how am I supposed to translate it, right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That is interesting. Um, yeah. So like yeah. I'm fortunate in the sense where most of my thinking happens in English. <laughs> most of it, I'm not gonna say all of it, but most of it happens in English. So the songwriting aspects and like, yeah, it tends to it tends to it's fine. I, I think I just have a problem with like typing. I like to to like be analog, I like to write. Mm-hmm. And that annoys the bejesus out of other people. Sure. Right? When you're working, like, when you're co-writing, when you're co- co-writing with other people, um, which is what I did for my for my project, uh, mm-hmm. when you're co-writing, you need to, like, have it typed, essentially, right? So that there's, like, different ways to access it, not just you and your, where, like, your brain lives in your book, right? Or your notebook or whatever. Um, so, like, I guess that's, that would be the only time I have a problem. Okay. <laughs> Tell me about Simple Human Tribe. Was that your first, I guess, band, your first group? Yes. Yeah. Um, it's still, we don't make music. Okay. <laughs> we, like, we still play, we still play shows. We, we, we make all our right. own music. Like, we have a, I think, all together, we probably have about 10 songs. We just all never, right. we, we never, because when I, okay, wait, I have to restart. <laughs> Rewind. Okay. When I was 15 or 14 years old, I met my bandmate, Kim. And Kim, um, Kim is a, another queer uh, uh, Cree mixed-race youth. Okay. And so her, her and I got along very well because we were both queer and we're both uh, mixed-race and we're both Cree and we both grew up in the same community. 
um, but we also spend time down south as well. So we got along really well, and she's also creative. And what happened was, um, we like she knew I was a singer because at, at that point, I'd, uh, the the program or the art thingy that I was talking about earlier had happened, and so she knew that I was a singer. Um, and then she became my friend, which was really nice because she's she's cool as fuck. And what happened was, she told me one day she's like you know, I'm a musician. I'm like, yeah, I know you're a musician. She like, she practices like, I would say like close to 10 instruments. Wow. Yeah. Like she's like one of those people that just like picks things. Yeah. Like she's like, she just like picks things up and she teaches herself and she's like, aha, I got you. Let me make a whole fucking song. You're welcome. Um, so anyway, so she like, she, she, we were on the phone one day. I don't know if we were on the phone or if we were in person, but I remember she says we should make a band. And it was like the most natural, like, it was like, yeah, this is like the most natural course of action that could possibly fucking happen, right? <laughs> um, and so we started our band. We, I think at that point, we'd already like traded some like song ideas and stuff. So what happened was once we created the band, we uh, started writing this music and we like started like com- uh, composing them. But the thing is, we couldn't really compose like on a digital platform because neither of us have those like access to those Neither of us had access to those things and we didn't have the skills to like carry that out. Um, that's a lie. We had the skills. We just didn't fucking do it. Yeah. But anyway, anyway uh, so yeah, we did like, a, we played a couple of shows. Uh, we had a hard time with the name. We were like, well, we have no idea what to fucking name this band. There's just the two of us. And she was like, I really like the, I really like um, when bands have like the word tribe in them because. Okay. Like we're fucking native. Why not? <laughs> we're like, I'm like, okay, that makes sense. I, I can't, that's pretty sound logic. Um, and so we're like trying to think of like, oh, okay, we're not just going to be called tribe. Cause that's fucking weird. Uh, and <laughs> not, no shame to anyone. If they, if their band's name is tribe or something, but anyway. Um, so we're like, okay, well, what do we call it? And then there was like different, different things that were like, kind of like binary. Like there was like, I can't give you an example, but there was like, aha, like, something something women tribes of whatever and it was just like these are weird names um and then i was like what if we just went for the name like simple human simple humans yeah and, and she was like that's cool but i still want tribe in it and so i was like what about simple human tribe <laughs> she looked at me like yeah that works <laughs> <laughs> um so we like even like last year the last show we played was pre-covid and it was in ottawa at the like casino there I don't remember mm-hmm. what the casino is called, <laughs> but um, it was really cool because it was like it was the first time that I, I had like played a show in Ottawa that wasn't like just somebody's house. Anyway, wow, anyway, yeah. So like we still make music and stuff. We just haven't like we technically haven't released anything. We have two songs on Spotify, but we like like I said like that's those songs kind of like exist in a book somewhere. Yeah. What kind of uh, what kind of sound? What kind of music? Oh, it's like alter not alternative. It's like folk indie acoustic stuff because she like she I, I love string instruments okay um and that's like that's actually the kind of music I like want to make more of I really like just like the rawness of a string instrument mm-hmm. I don't know how that's I don't know why I phrased it like that but anyway yes um so yeah what was the question I totally forgot the question I can't remember but <laughs> I'll tell you this. It's 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 fortuitous that you're on our show today because Greg, a couple of nights ago, Greg is a former touring musician. Mm. Um, he had a dream a couple of nights ago that he was starting to play the guitar again. So what I'm thinking is that, you know, if, if, if you like string instruments, Greg is looking to get back into music. Oh. Just write some stuff. Greg will put it to music. I, you know. <laughs> you, know what the, you know what the funny thing is? And I didn't want to interrupt you when you were telling the story about your grandmother playing guitar and just hammering on it and singing out a tune. You know who that reminds me of? My co-host here who's learning how to play guitar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love a casual jab. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're my favorite kinds. <laughs> I, I just know three chords. I have no clue how to put them together. Hey, I actually so like, I identify with that. I identify. I like, <laughs> I recently started learning how to play the guitar. I too only know three chords, but I did start teaching myself how to play the Merlin, mm. uh, which is an M4 Siegel Merlin. Uh, and I like, 
Yeah, even there, like I, I, pro- I don't even know the names of the. I just know that like my bandmate taught me how to do four formations, and because I know the four formations, I can sing an entire song. There you go. <laughs> what what song can you sing, Angel? It's actually it's a uh, it's a song that we wrote, and once again was not released. It's called "From the Fire." So if you ever see that song, it'll probably be when we record it, <laughs> when we actually record it. But I could sing it. Like I know how to do it on the on the Merlin. Do you do you have are the are Merlin there? Sorry. Do you have the Merlin there with you? Yeah. You want to you want to play uh, a few chords? Okay. All right. Okay, wait, wait. Give me a second. Wait. Here we go. Live from Montreal by way of Mysticity. Here is Angel. Okay. All right. It might not be in tune, so this might not be super great, but that's fine. Nobody's perfect. Here we go. All righty. Yeah, not in tune. Sorry. Come on. I'm going to try not to mess this up. <clears throat> Say that you love me. I, I will follow forever tomorrow. We have to spend. It's out of tune, so I'm not going to continue. But yes, I can play That's it. That's lovely. That was awesome. Wow. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah. That was great. That was that was amazing. Um, your L, your EP that you released, mm-hmm. I guess it was earlier this year. It was in July. In July, uh, for those I loved, is it for those I love or those I loved? It is both. It is both. Mm-hmm. Tell me about why it's both. Um, yes. So the the title of the project came early, uh, later than than the actual songs. <laughs> essentially it was a it stemmed from a conversation I had b- between me and my co-writer uh, who's also my producer and it it really was like a reflection of like it was when I was talking about actually one of the songs on that project I wrote for my grandmother um, and then I was telling him about how one of them two of them were from w- uh, women in my past that I like used to believe I was like super madly in love with and then another one was for myself and like how I needed to like, I needed to leave the space that I was in to like be able to come back uh, fully within myself. And so what happened was like the natural, I'd say like the natural, okay. Yeah. And then, sorry, wait, before that. And then another song that was on the project was a a song called Savage. And that one was like, I really wanted other people of other minorities and, and other indigenous people to hear it and to like, to feel the way I felt when I made mm-hmm. it. So what happened was like upon reflection um, with my with my producer, uh, his name is Joey Lengua. One of them is named Joey, Joey Lengua. And it really occurred to me, I was like, you know, I, I wrote most of these songs for for the people that I love. And you know, mm-hmm. some of them, I, I, I wouldn't say that I, I like, I'm in love with them anymore, but I still have love for them in my heart. Um, so he's like, oh, so it's like for those you loved and those you love. And I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, as I said earlier, the, the two songs, I think that you have also released from that EP, Wish mm. We Were Older. Yeah, we released them uh, as singles in the beginning. Yeah, just great music, great sounds. Okay. I, really, I really, really enjoy them. Um, Wish we tell me about wish we were older. I I haven't read too much about that song, but tell me tell me the meaning of that song. Where does it come from? Oh, okay. So you know, earlier I said I wrote two songs about two women that I was like very much in love with. Hmm. Um, so that one actually stems from so that one of the lines is when I was thirteen, you were so pretty. Um, talking to angels just wasn't in me. Um, and so what happened was. I was 13, obviously, <laughs> for like when I was writing, what I was writing about. 
And so it really was um, about a girl that I met when I was 13 years old who like, I, like, I had a very, like, very long drawn out uh, crush on. And so it like, for me, like writing these songs, I write about queer content because I want other, other youth like me to see it and see themselves in the world. Because mm. when I grew up, I didn't see that. I didn't see like non-binary que queer uh, people in media or, or, or even in my life until I was a little bit older. And so like, it's hard to, it's really fucking hard to see your life as valid and, and your existence is valid when you don't see it outside of yourself, right? Mm. So my goal with my music is to like have people see that I, as a non-binary queer person um, and creep person, like my existence is valid and I, cl I claim it with love and I claim it with pride um, because I want, I want youth to see that and, and, and associate that feeling of pride and that feeling of like, I can be a queer kid and write about the girl that I like because it, it should just be fucking normal. Yeah, yeah right? it's your story. Exactly. And so I wrote this song. It was for her. It was like, it was for like, it was, it was me saying like, ah, over the years, you know, getting older, like this, this love has changed and bloomed in, into different, into different ways um, and in different forms. And so like, I, I'm actually like with a very loving, um, I'm, I'm, I'm with a very loving partner right now. I'm very much in love with him. Um, but I, like I, for that, for that song, you know, I wrote it, I wrote it for her. Yes. But I think in reality, I wrote it for myself. And I wrote it for kids like me mm. so that when they see that and they know that it, it's, it's not like, it's not imaginary, it's there, like it exists and, and someone like me exists and I can be happy and I can, I can make good fucking choices for myself in my life. You know, I want other, other, especially other, I want other people like me to like see that and be like, ha ha, I see you. I see you and I feel seen. Nice. So you're comfortable almost like being a role model. Yeah. I mean, like, I, w I wouldn't like, like, I don't want to advise anybody to see me as like anything more than I am. Because, mm. you know, it's like, I'm just a person. <laughs> and yeah. I have my flaws. I have my flaws. I know. Um, but I want, you know, like, I want to like, I want to show the world too. like, it's not just for the youth, but I want to show the world that like, you can be an indigenous, a queer, um, non-gender conforming person and still fucking accept yourself and, and be fucking big and still accept yourself and, and, and like not live your life in fear or, or, mm -hmm. or, you know, like, I just, I just want people to see that shit. Now I just want, like, I want people to be like, ha ha, you exist. I see you. I yeah. love you. I'm, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad you, I'm glad you have that opportunity. And it makes me think of, so my family has been on, I won't say from, has been on the Manitoulin for five generations. Mm. and I remember spending time there in my summers and, you know, I was a musician and the punked out hair and, and, you know, you go to the dances and, and they, they call me queer. Right. It's like, cause that's what they call. Right. And it was a slur, obviously. Mm. Um, it was intended as a slur, sorry. Uh, obviously. And this past summer, the summer before um, we had the chance to go to little current for pride and it was so, I got goosebumps because it was so heartwarming to see not only, you know, the young white kids, but the indigenous TS and queer community coming out. And it was just like everybody embracing it. So I'm just, I, I you know, again, I'm quite a bit older than you. I just, I, I, I'm, I'm so happy that you have that opportunity. Um, and, and there's a long way to go. There's a long way to go. I know that. Um, but it's just so nice to be able to, to be who you want to be. Yeah. You know, what's cool too about that is like, I'm still fucking discovering that shit. Like I'm, I'm 20 years old. I wrote those songs when I was like, well, I started writing. I'm not going to say I wrote them when I was 15, uh, 13, but I started writing them when I was 13. Um, and they like, th those are songs and stories that I carry. And that's, that's actually one of the things I identify as, as a storyteller, not just as a singer. Because, mm -hmm. You know, um, I had I had like one of the one of like the awesome fucking privileges that I got growing up. And I keep calling them privileges. I shouldn't call them privileges. But anyway, one of the awesome things I got growing up was my mom, Nagawi. She gave me legends. She gave me stories of 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 things that like most most people my age or and younger won't ever hear about. And so for me, as and the reason I identify as a storyteller is because I. 
I know it's important to carry on that, that oral tradition of passing on those stories. Um, so yeah, totally. It's, 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 it's a powerful thing. And, and you mentioned your mom. Uh, I know you've talked about mums, plural, like being supported by many strong women or many women in your life. Can you talk about the impact of that? Heck yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, so actually, actually, this, this, this is a great topic to be talking about, right? Cause I'm in the process of uh, creating my next tattoo and my next tattoo is, is going to be in honor of my, my matriarchs and a couple of my patriarchs. Um, but so essentially I, like, okay. So there's like, that's a, that's like a Eurocentric concept to believe that you can only have one set of parents. Right. Mm -hmm. But me, I grew up, I grew up with so many fucking women in my life that loved the bejesus out of me that just were like, I'm going to pour what I have into you and hope, no, hope the best for you and love you and make sure or try my best to make sure that you're okay. Mm -hmm. Um, so I had my, I had my aunties, I had my grandmothers, uh, my grandmother, um, you know, grandmothers, I'm going to say grandmothers. Uh, so yeah, I had my aunties, I had my grandmothers, I had teachers that like, I don't know what it, I think, and this is going to sound really cocky, but people just like, love me and I'm not complaining. Um, but some of my teachers, I consider, I consider them my mothers because of the fact that like that closeness, that bond, that, 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 that want for each other to succeed is there. Um, and so I, I've just had so many women in my life that, that chose to give me love in that way. And, and, and what's really great about that is like, I have my mom, my Nagawi, my, my birth mother, the mother, the, the mother that brought me here into this world. I have her love, but I have the love of so many other women behind her. Mm-hmm. That's excellent. Um, so we're sort of getting close to the end here. Wanted to ask you a question. It's a question that we ask all of our guests mm. before we finish off. What's in your earbuds lately? What are you listening to? Oh, yes. Okay. So currently right now, like I'm going to throw myself under the bus, but then I'm going to redeem myself. <laughs> um, <laughs> I recently, um, I'm, I'm a little bit obsessed with the Frozen 2 soundtrack. Right. Yes, Frozen 2. But um, in Redemption, I'm also really obsessed right now with <laughs> Kim Mortal. <laughs> Kim Mortal is, a, is an artist from BC. I, I'm not sure if they're non-binary. I can't confirm. So I'm just going to say them them because I don't know. And I don't want to assume. Um, yeah, their music is like really wonderful. Like it, it, like it speaks to like my identity as a mixed race person. Not uh, them. They have like, they have uh, Afro-Indigenous roots and, and um, other things that I'm forgetting. And I'm, I'm not going to try to tell their story because uh, that's not my story to tell. But their music like speaks to me in a sense where like, it's like, I feel it, you know, like I feel when, when they talk about like, you know, coming, coming from homes with intergenerational trauma and, and what do those layers look like? And, mm-hmm. you know, like their music is just, it's super great. I like Frozen because it makes me feel stuff, but Kim Mortal, <laughs> Kim Mortal's, Kim Mortal's the bomb. <laughs> nice. nice. I will, I will check them out. Yeah. Filipino Canadian musician, right? I, I, maybe I'm not sure, but they, they've got like different ancestry and they're cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Angel. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. So much for joining us. This has been loads of loads of fun. Thank you. And thank you for Greg's new nickname. Yes. Tage. Tage. Uh, that's <laughs> my tattoo, apparently. Hey, my first tattoo. You know what? You know what? You can call uh, Karim. You can call him Bisk. Bisk. Yes. What, what, is, what, what does that... That's one of those feelings that can't be translated, right? Nope. <laughs> no, it can, be translated. it can be translated just fine. It means ass. <laughs> oh, perfect. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Yeah. So <laughs> if, if people want to, if people want to find out more about you, mm-hmm. this is normally his line, but again, he blew it like the blinky like blew the beginning <laughs> he blew the end. So, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll save the day for him. If people want to find out more about you, where can they go? So you can find me on any major, um, any major streaming service. You can also find me at angelbarebo.com. You can find me, uh, my, my, my tag on any social media or Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok. 
I'm young, but I'm still not part of that. Like I can't immerse myself in that yet. But anyway, you can find me at Angel Barabo Music. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you uh, for me. Best to you. Looking forward to uh, listening to more of, me, of, your, of your music and your beautiful voice. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us. Have a great evening. Stay safe. You too. Bye.